So are we doing like a non-spoiler thing, like uh, old school War Machine versus Warhorse type? I I think so, unless uh, I, I guess it depends on how angry, better we get that we spent time on it and <laughs> we we threw up the uh, the the red flag. Uh, early on, like, all right, fuck it. Spoilers <laughs> if you give a shit, but you shouldn't okay. type thing. Okay, um, gotcha. So I am recording, and I'm ready to introduce this. All right, let's uh, recording. Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's make sure. Yes, let's let's produce. I've been recording for 82 seconds. Let's, let's go. <laughs> Sync this up in some way. Do the old Benzuk sync yeah. clap, all that. Um, it's actually really not that hard if you just pay attention Dude, to who's it. talking. Like if it's two people, you can line it up pretty quickly yes. as far as wait for a response to a specific question. Like, are you recording? Yes, I am. Done. Line it up. Yeah, this is high tech, uh, just like the spaceship on stowaway. Yeah, what a, actually what a looks great like... connection. Excellent. <laughs> Well, which I was about to say actually looks kind of like shit. Um, this is not uh, uh, what which Chris was it Pratt Chris Pratt and passengers. Oof. This is not some huge uh, resort uh, like luxury why, vacation. Why are you making me think about passengers? Why ugh, the rapiest movie of the last decade? I don't need to. Mm, no, thank you. I wasn't going to go with that specific uh, critique because I was going to say it was more entertaining than Stowaway. Uh, <laughs> and then you had to say you had to box me in by saying Mike's Mike likes the rapey sci-fi, not the one where people are just problem solving. This is the uh right. 
I don't know. Is this like a, a mathletes version of like a sci-fi thing, but they don't really get too much in the weeds. I felt like we're just, um, one thing about it is you have these three characters who uh, it's not a spoiler say that the, the title of the film, um, introduces the main problem that these, um, scientists, engineers, astronauts, uh, they all have, I guess, a specific thing they're going to do. They're, they're on a trip to Mars. Yeah. And uh, they took along some baggage, which I think you have to get comfortable at a certain point with the movie. And it took me far longer than maybe what the filmmakers would have wanted, where I was waiting for the other shoe to drop on why there was a stowaway. On the I mean, ship? they do they do set it up like that, where it's like you know they have a scene with Tony Collette, who's the commander of this mission. Like you only hear one side of the conversation with her and Mission Control, which I think is an interesting way to go about this to kind of build up this tension. Uh, but her asking, like, do I have to be worried about this guy? Like, blah blah blah. So they're like setting your brain in motion to be like, oh, maybe he wasn't really injured. Maybe he was hiding there. Maybe he's doing something nefarious. And then that's just kind of dropped, uh, and it and it becomes like the you know I don't think this is a spoiler to say, but the whole thing becomes like there's not enough oxygen, so they have to make a decision on how to fix this problem, and is the is the fix to that problem killing someone? Is it using our brains to figure out a way that Mission Control couldn't figure out? And that's kind of all it's about. I mean, it, it, there's no other shoe, uh, and it does feel like and. As I'm watching this movie, as we mentioned at the end of the last episode, I know nothing about it. All I know is it's a set in space, Anna Kendrick is in it, um, and it's called Stowaway. So in my head, I was like, oh, is the Stowaway another person, or is it some alien creature? Like, what, what, what is the Stowaway? And then it is, like, I don't, I don't dislike this movie. I don't, I also don't love it. It just, it feels like... I don't know. It feels a little, a little disappointing. Where you're like, "That's it. That's hey, the story." I feel, I feel nothing about this movie. Well, it's like and, uh, we're three months into podcast, <laughs> and I can tell Dave's like, "Oh, I gotta get the blood up somehow." No, it's like I, I, I find some things about it really interesting and really good. But like, could you ever envision like rewatching this movie? Is this a movie you think you would ever sit through two hours again? Well, I watched it to completion, so since this is a Netflix original, that means I watched it 200 million times on their <laughs> <That's right. laughs> their barometer. Um, no, because it is um, – God, it's almost two hours, and it's it, – like a lot it of – It doesn't need to be, does it? Couldn't this have been films, done in it, 90? It, like, I was going to go further. This is like an, an extended Twilight Zone yeah, episode. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. – uh, it's a, a cool hook. Uh, somehow a man finds himself – um, hurtling through space and he's not supposed to be there. He was uh, some sort of tech support on the ground and he got, I don't know, he got stuck in like baggage handling. I don't, I don't really know. They don't, <laughs> they never they don't really, really get into it too much. It. Like it's such yeah. a weird choice. I, I think it's one of those things they don't want to, because the more details that you give, the, the less respect you have for like the crew involved. I'm not talking about the filmmakers, but the actual characters where it's like this, wait, this could actually happen. Chilling with all the checks and balances, all the millions and millions of dollars spent. They just like left a human body in the overhead compartment. (laughs) Like, how did you miss that? Here's, I think this film pales, uh, greatly to, I mean, this feels very much like a Netflix, which has become the Netflix original has become the straight video. Yeah. Uh, movies now they're much higher budget and you have some like anna kendrick you have a face to put in there um 
Daniel Day Kim from Lost, who I was, I always liked. I was seeing. very happy to, yeah, like that was yeah. maybe maybe my favorite moment of this movie is the very beginning when the camera pans over. I'm like, that's Daniel Day Kim! I was so excited because yeah. I'm in the middle of rewatching Lost, so it's very fresh in my mind right now. And I was like, oh, yeah, that guy should be getting more roles. I, I mean, I think he's like a good actor, very good looking, very charismatic. And he's just been stuck in the hell that is television. I guess he was on that Hawaii Five O show, which I've never seen. Like, <laughs> I never did really mind that choice. Not that I, yeah, I didn't watch Hawaii Five O either, uh, a CBS procedural. But you have to imagine. I'm not putting words in his mouth. I don't think I saw this interview. Maybe it's just my assumption. They filmed it uh, on Hawaii, yeah. like Lost, and I'm thinking. Did he buy a house and was like, <laughs> I like living here. What, you know, is there a job coming up? Oh, another show I can be on right. for six years? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> six Steady more years work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. I like the, the cut of his jib. Uh, Shamir Anderson. I do not know who Mr. Anderson is. Uh, he is the, the title character. He's the stowaway. Oh, I guess he's on Winona Earp, that TV show. It's got like a pretty All like right. niche following, but people are very passionate about it for sure. I just haven't seen it. He is a um, a steady hand in this movie uh, in that he had to know as a performer that the role he's playing, uh, given the nature, given the, the, the genre this film resides in, that he's got to play it a number of ways to maybe, as you said, uh, keep the tension up as mm-hmm. far as uh, – you know why? Why is his character even present here without revealing too too much? Uh, because he, he his initial freakout uh, where he's my, my wife unfortunately kind of giggled at the movie where he's he wakes up and he's running around the ship. You know, it's it's the like where am I like kind of freak out moment, and he looks <laughs> looks out the window at planet Earth, <laughs> what and the it was fuck? like. I think he even says something like, did we take off? My wife's like, uh, yeah, dumbass. You're looking at her. Uh, come on, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> the guy just woke up. Haven't you ever been confused when you woke up? Imagine you woke up from a dead sleep and you're in a strange place. You look out the window and there's the planet Earth. I think I think we could let him freak out a little bit. That's, uh, that's an appropriate reaction, right? And, uh, of course, Tony Collette uh, as the... The leader of this uh, married crew of uh, – I was about to call them fuck-ups, but really they, they don't fuck it's anything It's the up. people They're at just, home that fucked everything up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the parameters in place. This is – look, it's – I mentioned Passengers. I'll go to Apollo 13, uh, which I think would be the ideal for this type of movie. Mm-hmm. Not only is it set in space, but that is a movie about problem solving. And one of my biggest hang-ups with the movie is, yet again, I don't know if they – because of this this – very fictional nature of this problem. Like man accidentally on board that they wanted to get into the weeds on what exactly they were doing. You have this whole thing with like algae and it's like, if it's basically they make it color coded on the yeah. Netflix version. Brown bad. If it's green, <laughs> yeah. green, good, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, your stoplights kids, you know, <laughs> green means go green means breathe. Apollo 13. I, I don't fuck all. Uh, tear about mass. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, the sort of like, uh, <laughs> uh, DIY sort of maintenance thing that they're doing was like, how do we get back to earth? But they explain it with all of their nonsense as far as like, all right, you're going to take this part of the panel off your ship. You're going to make this, I, I guess it's just the visual aid and the fact that there's enough world building from Mr. Ron Howard and company that I feel like, okay, I know when things are going good. Like I know it's like, if they do this, like they said, that will help. And if mm-hmm. it doesn't, 
then it's bad. Right. We have broken it down to green and brown, as, as Dave said. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, life or death. Once, once we remove the, uh, I don't think this is a spoiler because yet again, I don't think the film is intending the stowaway character to be considered a threat for the the amount of time I considered him a threat. Right. When I realized that it's just about Mike's with the like narrowed eyes at this guy. When <laughs> is he gonna switch it up? Because <laughs> I'm I'm going to like pulpy genre fair. Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, this is a mysterious man on the ship, and what what are his aims? What are his plans? And uh, going back to, to Alien, like, you know, the, the company, like Hyperion, they keep calling out. I'm like, what? Yeah. Is this a test? Is it like a, uh, like, are they even in space? Is this some sort mm. of, like, uh, mental health <laughs> You thing, were thinking way test? too much. You were giving it way too much credit. Yep, yep. <laughs> and uh, for it to be, you know, a two-hour movie, eventually I gave up. I'm like, no, this is just a matter of turning everything green. Can they breathe or not? Right, right. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's, like, that that interesting like i i feel like we're on brand here to be like hey let's do a new release and save it's worth your time and then nope. we come back like absolutely not <laughs> so as i was watching this movie like from the very beginning because there are there are good moments in this movie i mean you have this this crew of actors on board you're gonna have some good moments because like all four of these actors are very good um but i'm watching this movie and i you know as anything, I know the runtime before I start because, you know, Netflix tells you it's an hour and 56 minutes or whatever. And I, I like to imagine just keeping the little red bar. <laughs> up. How fucking close are we? Um, and I was surprised at the beginning of this movie that it like starts in, you know, the launch. Uh, because I think one of the things that makes a movie like Apollo 13 great is that you get to know who these characters are before they get on board. Right. So we have a human connection to them in this extreme situation. This movie makes the choice of like, no, we're going to get you connected to them through the mission, through the struggles they have, which I think is um, it's an interesting idea. I don't think it really works here. Um, I don't think there is a a reason to be drawn to these characters like they're kind of caricatures. They're just like, oh, he's really smart. Um, she gives him shit about the Harvard-Yale rivalry. Like, that's the only bit of humanity in this movie. Um, so for me, like, the most impactful stuff is, you know, when this guy first wakes up and he's worried about his younger sister at home. I think that stuff really works. And there's a scene later in the movie, without giving away too much, where Anna Kendrick's character accuses Daniel Day Kim's character of, like, not trying hard enough and not caring enough. And his kind of reaction to that about everything that he's given up um, to try and fix this problem. I think that that stuff really works. But like, you know, we won't talk about the way the movie ends, but the way the movie ends should be emotionally impactful. And I was like, eh, okay, that's over, I guess. Roll credits. And that's not the impact you want. Because if you're going to have essentially a locked room drama, which is what this is, you need to have emotional stakes and it you need to feel something as the audience and i don't know about you but for me i was just like well i made it through that two hours uh i'll probably never think about this again that was my reaction to the emotional stakes of the movie well i'm looking at one of the splats uh from the new york times so i'm, I'm going big here right uh, there was another one underneath that was from the arizona republic but i won't even bother to even read the splat is arizona even a state does that count come on this is... They did deliver uh, 
uh, Biden and Fox News yeah. uh, got the the call. So That's, I guess okay. I'll give them that. We'll give them we'll give them four years of statehood, and then we'll see yeah, what they a do. Yeah, lot of Trumpers got mad at Fox News because of Arizona. So yeah, there's there's that. Um, so the New York Times splat says for all the empathy. It expects, it expects of its viewers mm. the film is troubling, troublingly removed from human reality. And there you go. I think what that <laughs> this speaks to is, yeah, we have, we've broken this down to solve the problem. Just solve the problem. And everyone has a supposedly defined role. But I think you also hit on something else that Daniel Day Kim is the only one that has uh, a sort of binary, I could do this or that mm-hmm. to solve the problem. And he immediately does. Yep. He immediately throws away his his whole purpose on this two year odyssey is now gone. So his dilemma, if you want to call it that, because I, I like that the character goes for it. He's like, no, obviously human life right. is worth more than just two years of my existence. But if he succeeds, they get to Mars. He's got nothing to do. Like he's right. <laughs> he's here two years two to years. relax. I guess <laughs> <laughs> if you can if you can manage to do that and. The better movie that I think, you know, Netflix wishes that it had, although, you know, in fairness, they didn't, I don't know, Netflix, it's funny what they choose is to market, because like you were saying, you didn't even know what the hell this was. The The reason I knew what it was is I came up with this idea of like, yeah, me and Dave could do some new releases and try to, to game the system a little bit, get some more uh, clicks. Uh, I looked at this weekend and saw <laughs> Mortal Kombat comes on HBO while I'm doing that on original remake. Mm. Can't do that. Uh, there was an Ed Helms movie called Together Together, which I liked. Uh, I think you might like it as well. Uh, a pregnancy I saw comedy. that come up uh, in my podcast feed. You were uh, yeah. doing it for one of your many other podcasts. I, yeah, projecting film. I hate the fact that I can't complain about this anymore because I have just as many fucking podcasts as you Yeah, exactly. Uh, you lost that right. Uh, which left just two other movies other than Stowaway that came out this weekend. Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street. Uh, which... Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> it's a documentary, I guess. Optimistically, is listed as a theatrical release only on this site, which does not sound reasonable okay. in the slightest. <laughs> Shouldn't that just be like a fucking something HBO Max drops yes. and you don't realize it's premiering? Uh, and then VOD, Vanquish, which looks like... Um, yeah, Ruby Rose. Is that John Wick? One of the yep. John Wick mm-hmm. assassins? Yep. Um, I think she was Batwoman? Or yeah, she was, Vink? and she's, like, moved on, and now they have a new actress playing the same role. I don't know anything about the CW-verse, but I know a lot of people like and I, I just like the look here of <laughs> this is a straight-to-video action movie. Maybe should have... They should have gone that one. Maybe, because I I think that's one thing I want to do if we continue this little bit is like we have a little shorter new release episode if it's worth your time is then seeing, uh, I guess this segment of the show is uh, mistakes uh, Mike knew he was making. It's like, (laughs) all right, Anna Kendrick, so that's probably got a little bit more prestige, but I really would like to see Ruby Rose just, uh, and the poster is like her, uh, let's see, surrounded by guns. That's what I get for how I research new releases. But yes, Ruby Rose and Morgan Freeman. Uh, the poster, Dave, is uh, the Matrix sequence of Keanu Reeves asking for, for guns. Lots of guns. How about the pickups? I hear there's a problem. You forget who you're talking to. I'm the former police commissioner. As a woman, you're a caretaker? Hey, Damon. 
refreshing. You do what I tell you to do, and everything will be just fine. I need you tonight using some of your old skills. Five stops, five pickups. There are too many people waiting for me to make this mistake. You ran drugs for the Russians. You were a courier in and out of Moscow. Who is she? You know who she is. Just stay out of her way. Something's not right. Get out of here. Uh, this whole segment. Mistakes Mike knew he was making. Uh, it fits <laughs> yes, uh, it really as I'm does. trying to hype up the Ruby Rose action film Vanquish, uh, which uh, will, if I'm honest now, probably will never be covered. I think this was the one opportunity the for shot. me to cover for a podcast. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, Stowaway, The Martian. That's what this This is the Diet Coke Netflix version of Could We Put the Martian and brand and it Netflix. Less funny. Martian is. Problem solving space. <laughs> The hook isn't as good because it's not going to be as expensive, uh, obviously, yeah. of putting Matt Damon uh, on a completely other planet and then have – God, you have uh, Donald Glover as, like, tech support guy. Like, we're going down the list. Yeah. I think Mackenzie Davis, like, yep. you know, uh, says a couple lines and Ridley Scott's like, all right, good. Glad we got in a pro for those two yeah, lines. Like, I mean, it's just – that's an old-fashioned, <laughs> like, stars everywhere. Um, and that's not the fault of Stowaway. No. But it just firmly resides in a subgenre of space problem solving movie where I can go to two Apollo 13, which is an all time crowd pleaser. Right. Uh, and then The Martian, which was, I don't know, one of our last maybe original non sequel property, movie star driven, high concept box office successes. Yeah. Uh, that made I think it was Best Picture look, nominated. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And one Best Comedy at the Golden Globes because the Golden Globes, that's, that's what they do. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was the big thing that year. So I was wondering, so just to kind of close all this out, cause I think, I think we're done talking about stowaway. There's like, <laughs> there's not much there. So I want to talk about Anna Kendrick. My recording is at the 1930 uh, <laughs> mark and Dave's like, yep, we're, we're almost at 20 minutes. We're good. That's enough. <laughs> no. Anna Kendrick. So sure. I want to talk about so Anna that's Anna another Kendrick. 20 minutes right there. That's right. We're just so, talking about her. So I think we, I think everybody does this. We all have our favorites, right? We're like, well, I'll watch that movie. Uh, cause they're in it. Whoever it may be, whoever's your favorite star, male or female, non-binary, doesn't matter. We all have our favorite people. Um, how close do you think Anna Kendrick is to movie star status? Like, do you think she mm. she gets that reaction from other people, or is this just a Mike Denniston obsession special? Um, me and uh, well, I was about to say twelve-year-old girls, but that was. Pitch Perfect was 2012. Yeah. I'd say it would be her breakout where she probably got a much younger uh, female driven audience. But, you know, that means that they're like 21 now and in college. So I don't know. Um, Anna Kendrick has an interesting career to me in that I don't, I don't know other than Pitch Perfect, which she kind of just fell into because no one expected that to be this. There was going to be three Pitch Perfect movies, and it was going to be a box office sensation. Who knew? Yeah. One was going to come out, you know, as a summer blockbuster, another one like a Christmas release. Uh, I don't know if she's ever gone for it as far as above the title, old fashioned movie star. And, you know, most of the time, like since we're talking about a Netflix original uh, a movie designed to premiere on a streaming service, you know, we sort of lament that we can't create, we can't manufacture movie stars anymore because there's just too much content 
Uh, and if the Netflix model is the straight to video thing, this, you know, Anna Kendrick, there would have to be a horrific mistake, right? It would be like, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey and I think Renee Zellweger was it where they were in the, uh, one of the Texas chainsaw straight to video (laughs) movies, but it was filmed before like Jerry Maguire. And like, I think they like then pushed it new versions of it or new copies to the video stores after both of them got more and more famous in the mid nineties. What I'm saying is you probably would never see them purposely in those days. After a time to kill Jerry Maguire, those two actors are never like, I'm just going to do something that's kind of a, a, a B movie and let's just have it go straight to VHS. It would be a horrible mistake. Now it's no longer a mistake to skip the theatrical experience at all. And you have Warner Brothers putting their entire 2021 slate on HBO Max to do just that. But I don't think with Kendrick in particular, we can blame this new lack of uh, theatrical uh, distribution for her not being considered a movie star. I feel like she's always leaned, even in Pitch Perfect, more towards like ensemble. Like she's Mm. playing a part in a film, like I'm really struggling to think like, what is one where it's just about her doesn't exist and just her experience. Yeah. No. It's, it's strange. You can talk about like up in the air. You can talk about a simple favor. Um, you know, she's been a lot of, you know, she's done a lot of voice work for cartoons. Like she's just, and I, it makes me wonder, like, I wish she would branch out a little bit and do like a, you know, a star vehicle. And who knows if she's been given the opportunity or not. I can't imagine that she hasn't. Because like she, especially after after Pitch Perfect, like there must have been opportunities there. And it's interesting because I really like her career. She's done a lot of really interesting work. But it makes me wonder if like twenty years ago she would have been a she would have gone the movie star route because like you know she's a quality actress. She's beautiful. She's engaging. She's likable. She's got to me at least. She's got everything. She's got all the ingredients to be a star and I'm trying to figure out like what's been missing. So do you think it's just the career choices that have led her not to do that? Or is there a sense of her being like too nice, too likable? Mm. Do you need an edge to be a superstar, to be a movie star? She doesn't have the, uh, the look for sure to play a broad range of, of roles. Like Charlize Theron is a old fashioned sort of mm-hmm. statuesque, like beauty, uh, the, the blonde. And they have, uh, I think we mentioned one episode, they've dressed her down <laughs> to play a serial killer. Yep. Uh, they dress her up. Uh, she does comedy. She does melodrama. Uh, I think that, I mean, I, th- I, I don't know if Anna Kendrick in some way has been boxed in by her, persona but even in pitch perfect she's not the most likable character in fact i think she's the one that is probably the uh least engaged with the concept yeah that's the way she's playing it she's the sort of dare i say the, almost the one owner writer kind of like cute girl but the outsider role that she's sort of above it all uh so it's weird that's the one that she's most famous for but she can't get away from the fact that isn't she likable and charming right and and it's kind of sweet natured uh, I think that she, I think this is on her mm-hmm. and I'm and not in a bad way. No. I think she, I think she just goes for things that interest her particular personality type. Um, and they, they do reflect different genres. Uh, a simple favor, mm-hmm. uh, is one that I really, yeah, really like, so adore. Good. but I can't say that she's not playing an Anna Kendrick like role. In fact, if she didn't play it, 
I would probably come out and be like, Anna Kendrick could have played. She should have been part. doing this, yeah. <laughs> but maybe, maybe her next movie, which I just looked at, a movie that's kind of in development for her. It's called Unsound. It says a New England state trooper privately struggling with hearing loss is investigating the prison break of a notorious gang leader. As she digs deeper into the most dangerous case of her career, she uncovers a vast conspiracy that, coupled with her deteriorating condition, threatens to end her career and her life. So that sounds like an above-the-line movie star role. Okay, all right. That that does not sound like an Anna Kendrick part. No, absolutely not. So maybe uh, we'll I can see Charlize Theron coming back to it, <laughs> yes, trying to win another Oscar. Maybe yeah. we'll cover that. Uh, maybe that'll be the next new release we do in five years when that comes out. <laughs> when we realize we haven't learned our lesson and we go back to the well that is Anna Kendrick. All right. So since it's about that time, um, I will um, admit now that I've sort of already, I think, picked out what we're going to discuss because okay. there was there was only really two options that i could count on as being available unless you count scott pilgrim versus the world re-release mm-hmm. which yeah i mean as I, I think i've told you and you know we live in the same city now although your side of the city still is not open for the theatrical experience <laughs> my side <laughs> the rich people are scared mike <laughs> they, they have giant yeah, tvs they're like we're good here actually <laughs> that's that's what you get for you got plenty of uh big box empty stores over there yes, <laughs> but, but no theaters um i don't think we're gonna do scott pilgrim versus the world because they're doing re-releases of everything so i don't know why that one's listed as getting a big push uh, but there were two options, uh, another Netflix original things heard and seen with, uh, Amanda Seyfried, but mm-hmm. I think we could end up in the same type of territory with her. Like, oh, she's always kind of a secondary part and, you know, she's, I'm actually catering to you. It's another streaming okay. release. Uh, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Oh, hell yeah. Michael, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. So. You know, I keep seeing that trailer and I'm like, that looks fucking great. Let's do that. All right. God yeah. bless you, Mike. So that'll be our our next entry into uh, opening weekend wasted. <laughs> as much as we like Michael B. Jordan, I'm still taking the uh, the under that's like, yeah, this is not, <laughs> not going to be a good use of my time. You're, sir, you're no Harrison Ford. This is... <laughs> I mean... I was going to say, you're no Ben Affleck, you know, ooh, his one ooh, appearance in Jack Ryan. No Chris Pine? That's <laughs> Oh, he can definitely beat that. I, I actually remember seeing that one in theaters. Uh, thank you, Movie Pass. Uh, <laughs> that was also a mistake. R.I.P. Weekend wasted. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that'll that be the one for the uh, next, uh, next week uh, after the weekend. But uh, I also twisted your arm. And alluded to it in our All About Eve slash Steve episode that uh, our very next episode is going to be a Mike favorite. Yes. A Mike special. Uh, so we are going back to the time of movie stars, genuine movie stars. And actually, uh, Tom Cruise still is one of the last yeah. movie stars. He's yeah. still doing it. Uh, but we're going back to when he decided he made the curious decision to fuck up his face for half of the movie in Cameron Crowe's Vanilla Sky. Yes. And... Uh, Dave could not wait to have this discussion with me because uh, he accused me of talking about this movie on so many different podcasts <laughs> that he could basically, I think, if you were doing the edit, you could just yeah. uh, reconstruct 
the episode. Much just... like Tom Cruise's face. Yes, I could reconstruct an oh, entire terrible. episode. <laughs> terrible. That's it for us. Uh, cue the music. So this movie is so associated with Mike to me that I refer to it as Chicken Soup for Mike's Soul, uh, which you'll understand if you watch this movie. Uh, it's, uh, it's I'm perfect. getting it right now. That's right. It sounds great. There you mm-hmm. go. So that is what we'll talk about next time. In the meantime, you can follow us online, uh, Offscreen Death on Twitter or at the Offscreen Death uh, on Instagram. So follow us there and then join us when we talk about Vanilla Sky. I'm posting a picture of Anna Kendrick right now. Shut my mouth!